Good evening. Thank you for being here this evening to pray. It is always an important thing during times of crisis and confusion to receive Jesus Eucharistically at the altar of sacrifice and plead for his mercy, his consolation, and his guidance. As most of you know, I outlined my experience of the sexual abuse scandal of the church two Sundays ago in a bulletin insert. I also wrote about how our parish, in cooperation with other diocesan parishes and dioceses throughout the country, dramatically overhauled our ministry to minors in 2002 to better ensure the protection of minors that participate in the life of the church. Research suggests that those measures have been effective in dramatically reducing the instances of abuse. But of course, these measures do nothing to heal the deep wounds of those who were traumatized by sexual abuse. This is particularly painful for us, faithful Catholics. The damage has been done to them. It also points to the diabolical nature of this crisis, that is, as Bishop Robert Barron has stated, what better way to attack the church than by corrupting some of her priests and her bishops? So we pray particularly this evening for those who have been traumatized. Clearly, it is up to our bishops to right the ship, so to speak, after what has been rightly described as a criminal cover-up of sexual abuse of children in the church. Since many of us have staked our lives as ministers and faithful members of the Catholic Church, I am praying that our bishops will call on and receive the wisdom of the Holy Spirit in the months and the years ahead to heal the church. A few days after I wrote my bulletin insert, I heard from a priest friend and classmate via a text message about what was going on and what continues to go on in the church and in the news. As we were both ordained in 1993, he reminded me that this issue of sexual abuse has surfaced and resurfaced, causing embarrassment, shame, trauma, and most especially anger for the vast majority, some 96% of priests that have served the church chastely and appropriately. To be guilty by association is extremely painful, not only for priests, but for the people of God. Anger, as we know, is not always sinful. To the contrary, it can be righteous, leading many to right wrongs and overcome evil. Yet a seething anger only serves to destroy us as human beings. St. Catherine of Siena once wrote that there is no sin or wrong that gives a man a foretaste of hell in this life more than this kind of anger. So what would God call us to do? What does he want us to do at a moment such as this? When we decided to have this Mass for reconciliation and healing, particularly on this day, I looked at our feast, the martyrdom of St. John the Baptist, as well as our readings to give guidance and consolation to us at Our Lady of Mount Carmel. And as we just heard, in ancient Palestine, there was another failure of leadership that was accompanied by the complicit behavior of others that resulted in the death of St. John the Baptist. Shortly after he baptized Jesus, John the Baptist denounced Herod, the Tetrarch of Galilee, to his face, in his face, 
For 30 years, the degenerate ruler had indulged himself in, in his every whim. Herod's latest crime was that he divorced his wife and married Herodias, the wife of his brother Philip. The Romans tolerated Herod as he was useful to them, despite the fact that his immorality and excess were notorious and scandalous. But no one confronted him for fear of his cruel retribution and his unpredictable character. No one, that is, until St. John the Baptist had the courage to speak. St. John the Baptist's courage was legendary. It is legendary. He had censured and reproached the Jews for their moral decadence and called sinners to repentance. Herod got the same treatment. It is not lawful for you to have her. John was in prison for speaking truth. Initially, that was his punishment, mostly because the superstitious Herod secretly feared John and his righteousness. Because of his curiosity, Herod visited John in prison for four months, and it began to have an effect on the tyrant. In fact, Herod started to respect John, which did not go unnoticed by his flatterers, foremost among them Herodias, who searched for an opportunity to kill John, which she found at Herod's birthday party. Herod's birthday bash was extravagant, a luxurious affair that groomed his many flatterers to give him even more adulation. Herodias' daughter, Salome, danced at the dinner and lustfully pleased Herod. So he made a foolish promise in front of his flatterers, granting what Salome asked for, up to half of his kingdom, and it set the stage for the most disastrous of scandals. She requested the head of John the Baptist. Herod's sinful pride kept him from retracing his promise and retracting it in front of the gathered crowd. So despite his internal regret, Herod refused to withdraw his promise. Kind of sounds familiar in our own day. St. Augustine described his decision as an oath rashly taken and criminally kept. Thus, the voice crying out in the wilderness was silenced, and St. John the Baptist's head was placed on a platter and was presented to Salome, who gave it to her mother. In the end, Herod is now dust. His fraudulent leadership was exposed. After his martyrdom, St. John the Baptist became an enduring example of sanctity. Jesus even said that no man born of woman was greater than John. And eventually, hundreds of churches bore his name. I believe that Herod's sinfulness and St. John the Baptist's perseverance in the, in, the, in the sight of evil serve as a tremendous example of what to do and not to do as we face difficult times today. There will always be scandals. There will always be sin in the church. But St. John the Baptist reminds us that it is the holiness of each member of the body of Christ, bishops, priests, sisters, deacons, and the faithful people of God that will heal what is broken in our beloved church. What did John's holiness look like specifically? 
Well, St. John the Baptist was a prophet. We have been baptized in the prophetic ministry of Jesus Christ. We must speak the truth and protect those who are innocent from conception to natural death. John the Baptist was born in a specific time, serving the specific purpose as the precursor of the Lord. We are called to this time and this place to bring about the kingdom of God in difficult and trying circumstances. St. John the Baptist answered the call of God in every circumstance, even to the point of death. So we should have a martyr's faith St. John the Baptist preached repentance and forgiveness of sins. We are called to do the same. St. John the Baptist was a courageous leader, even as he spoke the truth in the darkness of a prison cell to his persecutor. So should we. St. John Paul II once said, Yours is the gigantic task of overcoming evil with good, always trying amidst the problems of life to place your trust in God, knowing that his grace supplies strength to human weakness. So let us pray for the holiness of the church and her members, and let us place our trust in God. Amen.